Hello and welcome to the first official episode of this podcast, Netflix Queen. My name is Jasmine Mensa, and I'm so glad you guys are here with me, ready to talk about my favorite TV show at the moment, You. Now, I would like to put it out there that there will be spoilers. There will be spoilers every single week. So when you see the title of the show that we'll be discussing that week, and if you don't like spoilers, I highly advise you not to listen because if I don't tell everything about that specific show, I will be telling most of everything. So now that that's out there, let's go ahead and get started. Let's dig in here because when I first saw the trailer for you and I didn't really pay attention to it I just kind of like skimmed through it and I personally thought that it was about a guy a sociopath that was dating women and killing them and I thought to myself I'm not watching that that's stupid like why would I want to see someone kill people over and over like I was so uneducated I did not know what was happening in the show I just silently judged it by myself now for some of you who may not know what you was about I'll read a little bit about it it says what would you do for love for a brilliant male bookstore manager who crosses paths with an inspiring female writer this question is put to the test a charming yet awkward crush becomes something even more sinister when the writer becomes the manager's obsession Using social media and the internet, he uses every tool at his disposal to become close to her, even going so far as to remove any obstacle, including people, that stands in his way of getting to her. So season two had came out and everyone was talking about it. They were like, oh my God, you, you is so great. It's this, that. And I was like, I kind of feel left out. I kind of feel left out, not going to lie. So I hopped on the U train. (laughs) and I watched season one finished season one in like two days it was amazing and then I watched season two right after finished that so all together four days finished seasons one and two of you 10 episodes each and it was amazing it was probably one of the best shows I've ever seen in my entire life and I was so so pleased with everything the story the plot the characters the everything the acting everything was just so on point and I was just like this is crazy good and so I've been telling all my friends and everyone you need to watch it it's great it's great so let's just go ahead and dig in there so for those of you who do not know I am an actor and when I watch TV now I don't watch it just to watch it I watch it to watch the character and watch the actor and watch the human behavior because I'm so fascinated by it now like it just in it, it intrigues me in such a way that I cannot even explain. So when I sit down and watch a show and I look at the different characters. So the first question I want to put out there and I want to bring to light is what is Joe's overall objective? Now, for people who may have saw the trailer or people who may have heard about it, but not actually like not actually saw the show will probably say that, oh, Joe's overall objective in life is definitely power. He's on a power trip. He he wants to control everything. He's he's nothing is lovely about Joe, some probably would say. And I'm just here to disagree with you because and then you, you can ask yourself this question as well, could it possibly be both? Could his overall objective be power and love? And I just simply think that it cannot be both. I personally think Joe's overall objective in life is love. Yes, Joe does crazy things and things that are not so lovely, but all Joe wants out of his life is love. He wants to love someone and he wants someone to love him back. And I'm not 
in season two, we really get to see, like, we as the audience, we are so blessed to get a glimpse into his past to see why Joe is Joe. Like, why does Joe do these things? And and, and, and getting the, the pleasure to look into his past in season two the way that we did, we kind of saw, like, oh, okay, his parents completely neglected him. He had no love in his life. He was hopeless. He was helpless. He, he, I, I feel like Joe his main feeling in life is just stuck i just feel like he's always stuck and so both his parents didn't neglect him and i feel like his mom did try but if we're going to be completely honest i don't think she tried hard enough i honestly don't think she tried hard enough because if you ask me his mom's overall objective in life was power like straight power and because i feel like if you really love your child if you really love anybody you're gonna do anything everything in your power to make them feel comfortable and to make them feel loved and i feel like as a mother she did not do that i want to dive into another question why do people why do we love joe like when you really sound think about it why do we love joe and i also want to put it out there if joe was just a sociopath who was just killing people every day all day we would not like him <laughs> we would not be interested in joe what he has going on or anything like we would not care to like watch Joe but I think some of the things that make me I'll, I'll speak for myself is his sense of humor and he really does care about people and Joe is really genuine and I feel like Joe and he's also very very smart he's a very very smart man and that's very very attractive and very very interesting to watch and Joe does not want to do bad things let's just put it out there Okay. He wants to be good. He, 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 he really wants to be good. And I also think in Joe's head, in his mind, he thinks that some of the things that he is doing is okay. He feels like he's doing it. He's doing it for a right cause, you know? And, and he, he hits obstacles like many of us do in our regular life. And I think it's amazing and so interesting to watch him overcome those obstacles. And so now I want to dive in and talk about Paco. Paco is his neighbor. He's a he's a young boy that's next door to Joe. And I feel like having Paco in the story really gave it so much color. Um, Paco, he's a young boy with a mother who will not leave her abusive relationship. And so we feel for Paco. You know, kids hit a, a soft spot for us. And Joe has a soft spot for Paco. And we see this and we love this side of Joe. This is one of his likable traits. And one scene in the pilot that I will never forget and the one scene that will always stick with me is when Joe saw how hungry Paco was that night sitting in the hallway and Joe offered Paco Joe's dinner. And Joe was just saying, oh no, it's okay. I have food in the fridge. And then we follow Joe into his home and we look in his fridge and we see that he does not have any food. And we see Joe eating crackers and peanut butter for his dinner. And so I don't know about you, but that scene made me fall in love with Joe. Like the writer did great with that. Like putting that in there lets us see a side of Joe. Like puts, I don't know how to put it. It like puts us in like this mood, like, oh, like in the beginning we see how he's like his, his inner monologue with Beck, uh, oh, like just being creepy. It puts this, like, this whole Paco situation on top. And it's like, oh, Joe's creepy, but he's nice. Like, that kind of thing. And I think that was really, really smart. And so, um, let's talk about Beck. Okay, Beck is Joe's love interest in the season one. And how do we feel about Beck? Like, let's really, how do we feel about her? Because 
for okay let me let me ask let me ask you this what is what do you think beck's overall objective in life is me personally i say power i do because we see beck wanting to have power and keep power so bad in her life and there's nothing wrong with that having that objective power th that's cool because i'm not gonna lie power is my overall objective in life over love i want power and so we see we see her wanting to have power and really really trying and, and fighting to have it but you know she has obstacles because every single person in this world has obstacles and so we see beck she has to work hard and she wants to be a writer but at the same time we have to think why does she want to be a writer to feel good about herself to prove her dad wrong i mean he did leave her and her mom and basically abandoned them and started a new family so could it be that? Is it a, is it like a, a a screw you? I can be successful without you kind of thing. It really makes you think about her motives and who she is, like who she really is. And so then we have to ask ourselves: Do we like that? Like, do we root for someone to be successful, who just wants to show it off? It's just it's just questions like that. And 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 it's her motives. It, it it's every character's motives and what they want and why they want it that makes us draw to them or like draw to them draw near to them or draw draw far and i i like beck um i i like beck i like the actress that played her she is so pretty such a great actress but sometimes i don't like beck and i can't put my finger on it i feel like in the beginning she was kind of whiny i don't feel like she really i didn't i didn't feel like she wanted to fight but then towards the middle, towards the end, I was like, oh, she really is a fighter. I like this side of Beck. An example would be, Kurt, we see Beck take her power back from her professor who wants to sleep with her. Beck declines the invitation. He gets so upset and basically wants to ruin her life and her career. And so we see Beck basically find these other girls who has dealt with the same situation with the same professor and she threatens to blackmail him. Like, if you do this, if you try to ruin my life or my career, my livelihood, I will ruin yours. And we see the professor, you know, he didn't think at first that Beck was serious. Then he realized she was serious and he was like, okay. So seeing her get her power back from him, that was when I really started to like her. I was like, oh, she's a fighter. I love this side of Beck. She, she's not just sitting down and taking it. She's standing up for herself. And, you know, we love a strong woman. Like, we love a strong woman who fights for what she wants and, and doesn't stop until she gets it. So we have that. Now, Joe has obstacles <laughs> on obstacles. Like, a crazy amount of obstacles in this season. Um, Two of his biggest obstacles were Benji, which is Beck's quote-unquote boyfriend which really wasn't her boyfriend they just sleep together and then we have her best friend peach those were the two main obstacles for for joe now let's talk about benji first the the sleeping buddy joe felt like benji was bad for beck and i'm not gonna lie i feel the same exact way he was a horrible person to beck and beck did not deserve him like did not deserve what he was dishing out to her and so not only was Benji not good for Beck, but he was one of the things that was in the way of Joe from like he was one of the things in the way of Joe getting what he wanted out of life, which was love. And so was it wrong for Joe to trap Benji in the glass cage in the basement of the bookstore and kill him? Absolutely. That was horrible. But 
Joe did what Joe had to do in order for Joe to get what Joe wanted. And that's what makes us fall in love with characters. Even if they do bad things to get what they want, we see them fighting for what they want. And so it doesn't make it as bad. And especially if the person that he killed is a bad person. Not saying that it's okay. It, it felt okay. Um, so let's just talk about this glass cage for a second though. And like, what's up with this glass box that Joe Joe likes to throw people in? Um, it's funny to me because when I was rewatching that, like rewatching this season, the box just kept sticking out to me. I was like, why is Joe? It's the reason why they wrote in this glass cage. Like they didn't just write it in for fun, for funsies. They wrote it in for a reason. I'm just sitting there trying to figure out what is the reason for this glass cage? Yeah, to put people in, but why? So I thought about it and I was like, Joe only puts people in this cage when he feels trapped. When Joe feels trapped, he puts people in the cage. And when Joe needs a second to think, Joe puts people in the cage. And that just kind of stuck out to me and it was kind of like really cool. Like, I don't know. I can't really explain it, but the glass cage is just something about the glass cage. And it's really weird how he'll trap people in there when he needs to think or when he feels trapped. And also the touch back on Benji a little bit. We know that Benji doesn't care about Beck, you know, and Beck knows that Benji doesn't care about her. And I think that's what's so cringy about watching their relationship is that Beck, you know, you're so much better than this, but yet you still keep going back to the same douchebag. And so low key not gonna lie and i'm pretty sure people agree with me in the show i was kind of happy when benji disappeared because like i said from the beginning i'm rooting for joe and so if joe thinks that benji's in the way then joe you gotta get benji out of the way for the sake of the show you know what i'm saying so um yeah i want to touch on peach peach is beck's best friend and how do we feel about peach you know i will ask this question a lot how do we feel about peach what do we think peach her overall objective in life is. Do you think it's power or love? I, for one, I think it's power. I honestly do because Peach has the tendency to try and control everyone and everything around her. She has to be the superior one in the group. Like you can do well, but you just can't outdo Peach, that kind of thing. And so uh, later on or it's kind of obvious in the beginning if you really pay attention we kind of see and discover that peach has this sort of like obsession with beck or a beckalicious as she will call her and does she want to be more than friends with beck or does she want beck to always feel like she needs her even when she loans beck money is she being a good friend? Or again, is she trying to control the situation? Is she trying to control Beck? Or does she want to loan Beck money so she can throw back in her face? Everything I do for you and you do this, that kind of thing. That's very, very condescending and very, very controlling. Long story short, I feel like Peach wants to have Beck all to herself and Joe wants Beck all to himself. So now we have a real big problem. Two people want the same person and they will stop at nothing until they get that person. Who's going to win? When Peach finds Joe in the vacation house that she and Beck were at that night and Beck is gone now and they get into the argument and Peach sees that Joe has on Benji's watch, which can I say is probably the stupidest thing Joe ever did in this whole season. Why would you wear a dead man's watch? Like, Joe, I love you, but you just got to do a little bit better. <laughs> so 
that was the point for me watching it. I was like, oh, that's a point of no return. Like, I don't think it could have gone any other way. Somebody at that moment had to die. Because they both love Beck. And neither one of them were going to give her up. Period. Point blank, period. Someone was going to die. It was either going to be Peach or it was either going to be Joe. Or both. I don't know. And so Peach tries to kill Joe. And she fails. Joe kills her. Peach was in the way. And he got her out of the way. Because it's only one thing on his mind. His objective is love. And he wants Beck to love him. He wants to love Beck. And Peach was in the way. So Peach had to go. So we fast forward some. See Beck and Joe start to have like relationship problems. And Joe thinks that Beck is cheating on him with her new therapist, Dr. Nikki. And so Beck doesn't like this out of Joe. She saw Joe was following her and she did not like it. So Beck breaks up with Joe. And I honestly feel like that was a good thing for them both. And not just them, for us too. You know what I mean? Like I kind of needed a break from them. They were kind <laughs> they were kind of like their relationship was just kind of like ugh, like it was on the rocks and it was just like making you cringe and making you like oh my god so that was kind of nice I, I i enjoyed the break i think i enjoyed the break more more than they did um <laughs> and we see joe move on from beck and starts dating someone else named karen now karen is such a breath of fresh air she's laid back and she's so different from beck like completely different and so we, we, I think we love Karen, but I think we love Karen. And I think some people still wanted Beck and Joe to be together. Like deep down, we wanted Joe and Beck to be together. We wanted them to, to fight it out. You know what I mean? And so Joe thought that Karen was what he needed. But then later on, later on, it turned out that he was not, she was not what he wanted. And so he gets back with Beck. Now, let's just talk about very briefly a, a, a little bit about this little break that Beck and Joe had. Now, during the separation, we see a completely different side of Beck. She's more vulnerable. She's more in tune with her feelings. And she see that Joe isn't paying any attention. So now she's like, she wants Joe back. Hmm, kind of like every relationship kind of thing you know towards the end of the season we really get to meet Candace now I didn't mention Candace in the beginning but Candace is Joe's ex-girlfriend they dated she apparently cheated on him and moved to Italy I think Italy or France one of the two and or did she though that's the question that we 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 as an audience were thinking like did she really move or is she dead like what's happening Beck starts to get suspicious about Candace this Candace character and Beck starts to dig and so while Beck is going through all of this digging, Joe finds out that Beck indeed did cheat on him with her therapist, Dr. Nikki. And this scene was completely heartbreaking. And I say it was such a moving performance by Penn, Penn Batley. He, he all, it was, it was beautiful. It was great. It was very heartbreaking. And I cried. I cried. I felt, we feel for, we love Joe. I mean, Joe's kind of, kind of cuckoo. But we love Joe and we will always love Joe. <laughs> so after the heartbreaking scene, Joe forgave her. They moved on. Now let's move to the absolute point of no return. Beck finds Joe's secret little portal where he keeps basically all the evidence of all the bad things that he's done. Um, I'm not sure if he kept them as trophies or if he kept them because he didn't want to get rid of them because he didn't want them to be found. I don't know. So in this little box, we find Beck's underwear, 
from when like they didn't even know each other yet this is when he was like creeping around her house when she was in class and stuff so beck's underwears beck's journal beck's old phone that was yeah that one <laughs> candace's necklaces um a used tampon now that one threw me off i i didn't know who tampon it I was well it looked kind of fresh it was fresh blood on it so i think it had to be it had to be beck's Beck's tampon um then Benji's phone was in there Peach's phone and a jar of teeth now that one took me out I was like whose teeth so Joe realizes that something is off with Beck he realizes that that Beck knows and so Joe does what Joe does and knocks her out and takes her to the to the glass cage now at this point when Beck wakes up in the cage she she knows like I'm in trouble I, I'm in trouble and I got to do something to get up out of here because if I don't, Lord knows what's going to happen. And so my favorite scene with Beck in the cage was when she wrote a story blaming Dr. Nikki for everything that Joe did and she let Joe read it. Basically trying to get Joe on her side. I was like, well, you know, like, what's what's your angle, Beck? What are you trying to do? And it was pretty clear she was trying to get Joe on her side. But why are you trying to get Joe on your side? So he can trust her. So he can let her out of the cage. Because let's face it, if someone has you in a cage and you're yelling at them and calling them psycho and you hate them and if you get out here, you're going to kill them, they're not going to open the door. So why not just play nice? Act like you still love them. Act like you're on their side. And then possibly you can get out of the cage and then do whatever it is you have to do. And so it worked. <laughs> and Joe opened the cage and Beck stabs him and locks him in the cage. So, uh, but little did we know that Joe always keeps a spare key in the cage because Mooney, the owner of the bookstore, the one that took Joe in, gave him a job, all this extra stuff, used to lock Joe in the cage when Joe wasn't behaving or so have you. And, um, so Joe made a spare key and he always kept it in, in the cage. So let's just fast forward to the part where Joe kills Beck. Now, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> and I, and it was, it was because it was, like I said, it was the point of the point of no return. Like, what are you going to do? Like when she locked them in the cage, she was saying all this stuff. You're a psycho. You're crazy. You're going to jail. I mean, at that point, what was Joe going to do? Like, at that point, Joe knew that their relationship was over, that Beck did not value their relationship like he did. So he was like, well, you're in the way. Now, now I don't want love. I I, I want freedom. And you're, you're in the way of me getting my freedom. You got to go. So Joe kills Beck, takes her story about Dr. Nikki that she wrote in the cage, pretending to be on Joe's side. And Joe sends it and it gets published. And so Dr. Nikki is arrested for Beck's murder. And Joe is a free man now. So he thought. So he freaking thought. Because Candace. Candace returns people. And that is the end of season one. I'm, I I didn't get every single detail. But I got the, the more important things. Um, Everything was important. But I got the things that I... I felt were, were really important to talk about so Candace returns and we see a lot of her in season two I don't want to get all the way into season two because we're going to save that for next week because I did not know season one was going to be this much 
and I don't want to throw too much at you to think about. Um, so I just, I'm just going to divide them into two. If you agree with me or disagree with me, I want to hear it. So if you could email me, jasmine.mensa at yahoo.com and we can, we can talk about it because like I said, I love TV. I love talking about it. And, um, if you have any suggestions about any Netflix shows you want me to talk about your favorite Netflix show, I have a list already. I have like 30 that I really want to dig into, but, um, let me know, send them to me and we can really get the show on the road. So be back next week for us to dissect season two of you. And until then, have a great weekend. Toodaloo.